Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Normal, everybody. It's uh, the second day in a row doing a conspiracy normal show. That's another marathon. That's it. Another marathon. Uh, just a uh, real brief intro today. I got to, it's your host here, Adam Sane, and y'all know me. And uh, Luke is, I don't know, somewhere. <laughs> and Mr. Rob is right next to me. And we had an awesome interview yesterday with. Um, Dr. John Ward of the Gibble El Sicilla Project and the Sirius Project. And it was a really fascinating interview. And uh, that, should, that one should be, by the time you hear this show, that should be posted. So go check it out. Uh, and also want to thank Robert Todd for coming in and sitting in with us. And uh, the great Dr. Future as well, who's kind of a surprise last-minute uh, last guest. And how's everything going with you, Mr. Rob? Crazy. You bought, you bought a house and everything. Yeah, I bought a house, building a studio. Hopefully, we yep. can migrate there in a couple months. Yep, I went and saw it today. I'm, 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 I'm super excited, and especially excited about the uh, about the couches that and the you dartboard in there and the dartboard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's 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 going to be really cool once you get it all set up, and we'll be doing kind of like a radio style show from there. So I'm really really pumped about it, but. Uh, tonight, uh, just real quick, we're going to be, uh, doing a recording with, um, Rocky Stucci, uh, 
it's going to be kind of like a crossover kind of thing where we're on his show and he's on our show. So he'll get to interview us and we'll interview him and just have a, have a good old fashioned conspiracy normal time. And, uh, Rocky show is EBN, everything but normal radio, but Rocky is pretty much the main force behind the intrepid paradigm broadcasting network. So we're real happy to, to be on the show. We were there, I think it was like a month or so ago that uh, Luke and I were on for about 30 minutes. I think we're doing like a full show tonight. So. Uh, without further ado, Rob, there's nothing you want to add. We'll go ahead and go to it. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back on Conspiracy Normal on the other end. You know, at times I sit back and I, I find myself indulged in all different types of research. And it seems as of late, I, I've been finding myself going down this path of what some people call conspiracy theories, what some people call conspiracies. Now, to me, folks, honestly, there is a difference between a conspiracy theorist, a conspiracy, and a truth finder. Some people can look at a mountain and see a pony. Some people can see the facts. Some people see fiction. Some people just come up with their own conclusions without doing research. And one way I've been extremely benefit, I've been able to benefit from uh, with doing EBN Talk Radio and being part of the IPBN uh, network is to, to be able to source with like-minded individuals. And so our guest tonight is Adam and Rob. Uh, you guys hear Adam and Rob right here on the IPBN Alternative Talk Radio Network. They are from the show Conspiracy Normal, and these guys know their stuff. These guys have interviewed some of the best around the world. And I figure if I'm going to have the conversation regarding conspiracy theories, world events, religions, I figured the two gentlemen I would want the most to be on the show tonight would be Adam and Rob. So from Conspiracy Normal, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, yeah. thanks for having thanks us, for Rocky. Absolutely. So now, guys, before we went live tonight, uh, we, we started talking about a couple things that I, I was watching today. Um, you know, secret societies. Sometimes, you know, people, they hear the word secret society and they cringe, or they hear the word conspiracy and they cringe. Yeah. But it seems like the more and more that I learn, the more and more I realize how different the, the, the world really is compared to what it's perceived to be. You guys get what I'm saying when I say that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, every time you look at something like that, you're <laughs> well. Let me put it this way: it, you're you're raised to believe a certain thing, and you're raised to think that everything that you're told in history is correct. And usually, it's just this kind of glorified view of it. And it, as you go on, you realize that well, no. That's really like you know the, the old adage that history is is um, is written by the winner, and that's that's pretty much true. Right. You, you see that, and there's a particular class of people out there that you know that 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 are the ones that are writing history. You know, and I I, I wonder all the time regarding history. Uh, I feel what we are taught today is so far from the truth. Uh, yeah, we know two plus two is four. Um, you know, we know that you know animals evolved to be different over the years, but why is it do you guys think that they try to cover up or they, they try to cover up so much of our history? Why do you think they do that? And why do you think they don't want us to know that the human being, humankind, goes back a lot farther than what we're taught to believe? 
are we talking about the possibility of uh, like Age of Atlantis and and this this kind of thing? Right. Okay. So who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody the other day, and oh no, it was my last interview with R. J. Von right. Bruning. Von Bruning. Yes, mm-hmm. and he talked about how there could have been a possibility. He didn't say that there was. That was not his hypothesis. But we were just talking, and some people believe that. Millions of years ago, humans existed on the earth, and they left the earth. And over time, they may have come back. Um, Do you think that there's evidence? Because we do find ancient technology. We find these, this this machining, these machining tools that date back a million years. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's authentic. But why do you think we try to cover up so much of our past? Well... You know, I read a book back in the 90s called Fingerprints of the Gods mm-hmm. uh, by Graham Hancock. And that's one of the books that really made me think about the possibility of there being a, a civilization, say, in during the Ice Age or before the end of the Ice Age. Uh, now, why would there be people that are trying to cover that up? You know, I, I don't really know, like, really the answer to that question. Uh, it's very possible that if there was a place, like, for lack of a better term, that was called Atlantis, that there are certain members of, say, like, the elite class that want to bring that back. That's something that we've talked about on our show before. Uh, We talked about with the guys from uh, Canary Cry Radio. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about uh, Francis Bacon, the idea of the new Atlantis, uh, which a lot of people believe was kind of America's the fulfillment of that. Uh, there's the possibility <clears throat> that certain people like, uh, the, the occultic societies like Freemasons, that they may not want us to know about what happened before on earth, that there's actually a, a continuation of that kind of like, well, for lack of a better term, antediluvian knowledge. Okay. Does that make any kind of like any sense? Well, it does. It, it does. And then, uh, Somebody I was talking with the other day, their big theory was uh, about religion and about control yeah. and about money. Uh, look at the Vatican. I mean, the richest bank in the world, but yet uh, you don't see them speaking out too much against the violence that's happening around the world right now. It's almost, at times, I think it's promoted instead of uh, talk to, you know, to talk to stop it. Some of it could be just purely academic, too, though, Rocky. Uh, you, you could have just the people that really just want to stick to the story of how civilization came about. In other words, we were cavemen for thousands and thousands of years, and then all of a sudden something happened to make us uh, hunter go from hunters and gatherers to farmers right. and then start organizing into cities. So they see it as a linear progression, and all the way from the first stone tools to the, to the invention of the wheel, all the way down to like the airplane and uh, computers and the internet that we're speaking on right now. It, you know, people, there's people out there that want to see that as like a, as like a linear progression of events instead of things advanced, things fell and then things advanced again. And then things fell. Well, in other that- words, things went to the cycles. We know that that's the trend with humans anyways. You can look yeah. back at previous cultures. It's always rise and fall and rise right. and fall. And if you go back, you know, 5,000 years where to where if our society collapsed now 5,000 years from now, there'd be very little evidence. Right. Nothing left. You know, like what was the uh, the show um, Life Without People? Yeah, that was the show that made yeah. me start thinking about all that. And it was like ten, in 10,000 years, if humans disappeared, 
in 10,000 years later, there would be nothing left of our civilization other than what was built in stone. Yeah, the pyramids last us. And that's what you would see. That's what you see now. Really? Um, in, in the Whatever's left from these civilizations is still around in stone. Like, it was like the, the, the pyramid that's off the coast of Japan. Uh, you know, we were talking to Laird Scranton last week about uh, Gobekli Tepe. Yes. And, it, you know, that that's obviously made out of stone, and that's something that's still around. And, and, and that's been accepted to have been dated back to 10,500 years ago. Right. And to my understanding, uh, Gobekli Tepe was buried. Yes. Yeah, purposely buried. Purpose. That's what uh, he said in his book. This is this is the stuff that really catches my attention. I've I brought the subject up many times about Quebec La Tepe and and I believe right around that same time we might have talked about this already about those underground uh cities. They're like they, they're these burrows to where they could have thousands of people underground for a prolonged amount of time. And then we started talking about um uh, supernovas, exploding stars and because what happened, you know, this this is the part that bothers me is 10,000 BC to the a uh, time of uh, like Egypt, the, the pyramid era, three, four, five thousand BC. There's a five thousand year gap, and it's like, yeah. what did people from ancient cultures know from Gebekli Tepe? That did they know something was happening? Did they know something was? Why did they work so hard on preserving their city? Well, I think they knew that something that something happened in the past. Uh, you see, what I believe, and this fits in, and it actually fits in with like what's in the Bible. Right. I mean, what's in the Bible you have in the book of Genesis, you have the antediluvian world. You it never says in there that the antediluvian world is an advanced civilization. It doesn't say really anything about what 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 happened there. But then the flood comes and then you have everything after the flood. And it's interesting to me, too, that um, Mount Ararat, where supposedly Noah the ark rested is not that far away from what is now Gobekli Tepe. Okay. It's all there pretty much in that, in that area of, of like Eastern Turkey. And they figured the great flood was what? 12,000 BC. Yeah. You see, no one, you know, no one really knows when that actually could have been. Um, if you ask uh, kind of like the strict Christian creationist, they would say it was about 5,000 years ago, something like that. But it, it seems to fit in very well with what's described as happening at the end of the Ice Age, right? right? I mean, you have at the end of the Ice Age, the ice melts and the water levels rise and uh, anim- various animals are wiped out. And, and there's so many different flood legends all across the world. I mean, the Greeks had a flood legend. Uh, the Mesopotamians had a flood legend, which they believe is where the, the, the story in the Bible comes from. But and, and even like uh, Native American tribes have the same kind of legends. So there could have been pockets of survivors from this cataclysm. And it's just like this memory of a cataclysm that happened. And there's also a memory of this advanced race. Uh, I've, I've been thinking about this, actually, uh, since you had that interview with uh, Von Bruning, which we're going to have on our show here pretty soon next month. Excellent. He uh, really had me thinking about something that, like, uh, what do you say, uh, the, the Toba volcano, uh, that, uh, the, that's the, uh, the super volcano. Right. I believe that's somewhere, I think, like Indonesia, somewhere around that area. It erupted, I think, in like 72,000 years ago, and the human beings went through this, through this bottleneck, right? Right. 
And where, where, and where it says in the Bible, you know, that, that there's very few humans, very few humans on the earth. Uh, so 72,000 years ago to about 10,000 years ago, that's 60,000 years. That's plenty of time for an advanced civilization to, to emerge. Right. I mean, if you think about it, our Western civilization has only emerged in the last 2,000 years. Right. You guys ever, so, you guys, when you guys start learning this stuff, I, do you guys just kind of sit back sometimes and, and question exactly <laughs> what, what our existence is here? What are we doing here? Do you ever just sit back and question all of this? Oh, all the time. Sometimes I wonder why I still have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's, it's so much more fascinating than, than, than what you've learned at school. The, the, only, the only problem is, is uh, you know, I can't prove any of this stuff. I can only look at the data that's been given and draw my own conclusions. But to me, it just seems to make sense. And, you know, like the whole Atlantis thing, well, I get kind of tired of that. Like, I use that as lack of a better word, right? right. You know, like the, the silly stuff of like Atlantis is at the bottom of the ocean and everybody's, you know, this advanced civilization with domes over their cities and all this silliness. Uh, or even like the new age kind of silliness that happens now with Atlantis. Like I'm a reincarnated Atlantean priest or something. And, yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, but I, but I just think that that I really personally think that like what Plato was describing in his story of Atlantis was the civilization of Crete, which we know about. However, there's also this genetic or, uh, subconscious memory of this other civilization roughly 10,000 something years ago. And I think like the book fingerprints of the gods, Graham Hancock's work and Robert Vival, uh, the, which in Robert shock is interesting too, with like the, um, the, the Sphinx and the, the rain weathering on it that could have only happened 7,000 years ago because Egypt was not a wet climate was a wet climate. 7,000 years ago. It isn't anymore. <laughs> what was it? What, well, I was going to ask you this a little while ago. What was it in uh, uh, Book Fingerprints of the Gods? What was it that caught your attention the most to make you sit back and wonder? Uh, the one thing that I remember uh, that I remember, it's been a long time since I've read it, man. It's been like about maybe over 15 years. But uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was the whole idea that like the procession of the equinoxes. Um, I may not be doing this justice right now. I'm kind of pulling it off of memory, but I, I think that, that what that is, is like the sun rises in a particular constellation. Okay. Every few thousand years that changes and it's like 26,000 year cycle. And, uh, to get back to the same constellation you started with. So in other words, right now we're kind of edging into what is it, like the year, the, the age of Aquarius you know, It sounds real new age. Right. But, that's just where the sun is rising. I think at a particular time of year, it's rising in the constellation of Aquarius. And this is all due to kind of like the wobble of the earth. Right. 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 And I'm speaking with my hands right now, which is pointless on the radio, but, uh, <laughs> I'm Italian. See, I'm Italian. I can hear the wind and I can understand exactly the hand motion that you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm half Greek. So that's the, that's the, the <laughs> they talk with their hands too, but it, it, so the, the Sphinx is a lion, right? right? Even with the head of the man, it's still a lion. So the the sun that rose 
in the constellation of Leo roughly 10,500 years ago. And also the, the, and I know there's Egyptologists that are not going to agree with this, but if you look at Robert Baval's work and the configuration of the three pyramids on the Giza plateau, mm-hmm. it does look exactly like the three pyram- the three stars in the belt of Orion. It's exactly lined up to that. And you know, what exactly is going on there? What are they trying to say? You know, I've always, since I've been a little kid, kind of an offshoot here, but I, I never really knew that it was Orion's belt. I Actually, I didn't even know Orion's belt was Orion's belt until I seen the movie Men in Black. But yeah. um, I've always, there's always been this little weird fascination I've had. I used to always be so fascinated with the middle star. And uh, when, I, when I find out the significance of Orion's belt, I, I was kind of weirded out by that. But see, guys, the reason I bring this up is because even if we look at modern-day conspiracies or modern day um i don't know i don't know a better word to use because conspiracy is the best word it all kind of relates to our entire history and 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 what is happening today and uh some people will call it uh um, not a premonition but they'll call it a um see this is why it's really good to do pre-records because you can cut this part out but uh Uh, you know, the, we hardly the times, cut anything the, <laughs> out. We hardly cut anything out, Rocky. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, and it, it all comes together. And this is this is where my mind it just you know a couple of years ago, guys. I, I thought I had a pretty good grip on who I was and where I come from and where I was going sure. in life. And uh, you know, and then you get involved in this industry and you start meeting fascinating people and you start learning what we call or society calls alternative research. And I don't really know how alternative it is. I think sometimes when we, what we call like real actual science and physics and, and uh, what we study today to make things real, I think sometimes they can actually close us off to other possibilities. Because I know a couple of physicists that they would not consider anything unless they can prove it. Uh, I believe that we are still trying to figure out and prove who we actually are as, as a human, as a person, or why we're here. Right. Um, and then we, we look at some of these groups and, well, they're, they're, they do alternative studies. Well, maybe alternative isn't such paranormal at all. Maybe, maybe the paranormal is the normal, actually. And, and that, yeah. So I, I kind of, my mind has just been all over the board. And, you know, you're looking, even, even with this, uh, I've been watching this documentary today. It was actually a really good documentary. It was well put together. It wasn't a guy who thought a mountain was a unicorn. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was about skull and bones. Okay. And, and the secret societies within our political um, government, within our government officials. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, who was it that went in there? Uh, Alex Jones. He went in there some years ago with a camera, a hidden camera. He broke. Well, you're talking about Bohemian Grove. Yes, Bohemian yeah. Grove. Yeah, so yeah. Bohemian Grove and Skull and Bones, are those two separate different? Uh, I would say they're they're probably related to each other. Uh, of course, you know, you've got two different coasts going on there. you got Skull and Bones, that's Yale. And you have uh, Bohemian Grove, which is more like this retreat that goes on every year. But it's... Um, it, you know, it's pretty much like the, the same thing. It's the blue blood the establishment that goes to both that, that are part of both of these. But I don't think that you have to be in skull and bones to actually attend Bohemian Grove. I think what was really concerning to me is because of all the public officials that were at this event. Yeah. What they were chanting and what they were worshiping and representing. Yeah. And that's the part that really bothers me. And we we trust these people <laughs> to look out for the best interests of our country and our world. 
Well, I mean, let's kind of look at it uh, a little bit. Let's like start with Bohemian Grove. Uh, what you could look at it one level. You could look at Bohemian Grove and you could say, okay, what are these guys doing? Are they having a big frat party out there? And to a certain extent, it is a big frat right, party. Right. But also at the same time, these are powerful people getting together with also people that are up and coming in in the world of power, whether that's whatever that is, business, finance, tech, politics, whatever that is. Uh, are they creating policy when they're doing it? Are they creating, uh, similar to the think tanks that are also in Washington, who actually is creating the policies that our government is carrying out? It seems to me like it's probably that these guys are discussing and actually probably are actually creating policies, much like the Bilderberg group in, in Europe, which is kind of just the same kind of old boy network, but real old. And you're talking, you know, noble families there. Uh, so you can look at it that way. You can say, well, the reason I don't like Bohemian Grove is because the American people are the ones in charge and they're supposed to be the ones that are making the policy. You can look at Bohemian Grove in another way and you could say, you can take it to another level and you could say, well, wait a minute. So these people, which mostly Bohemian Grove is a right wing or Republican kind of base organization, you could look at it as, you could look at it and say, these guys are cremating an effigy underneath the statue of a large owl. And now they're saying that this effigy that they're cremating symbolizes their cares in the world, right? right. Thus they call it the cremation of care. But it's in the form of a small child. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's in the form of a child. That's that's what the effigy of care is. And they send it into the fire. And actually, Luke, on a couple of shows ago, just for some reason, he brought this up about the worship of, of Moloch. And uh, the Phoenicians worshiped this god named Moloch. And actually, this god is actually mentioned in the Bible. He's mentioned, I think, in Leviticus somewhere, where it says something like... Um, you know, don't throw your children into the fire, which means the Phoenicians, which were an ancient people, and they later, one of their colonies was later the the city of Carthage, right? You know, Rome and Carthage, the Punic Wars. Uh, you, you know, they would take their kids, and if they wanted their crops to be better, or if they wanted some kind of favor from this particular god... They threw basically at the bottom of this huge effigy of Moloch, which is like this big bull god. And I don't know how the owl comes into it, but this big bull god and you, there was an oven underneath and they would put these kids in and roast them to death. And that's essentially what they're, what is going on at Bohemian Grove so they, they when they're doing this ritual that dates back to pretty much like Phoenician and, and the Carthaginian times. So you're saying they burn their kids just to get better corn. Yeah. Yep. That's what they do. <laughs> now there's some debate on this. I really wanted to talk to Dr. Ward about it, but, I, but we talked about so much yesterday that, that I, 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 I got off track on it, but 
uh, there's some debate on it whether the Romans kind of made it up or because the Carthaginians were their enemies. And of course, like we said, you know, the winner writes the history. But the it, it's 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 kind of debatable whether this stuff happened. But it does mention it in the Bible. It does say, you know, that the Canaanites and some of the Jews actually would wor- would worship this god. It almost so more like satanic worship than it does worshiping yeah. a god. Yeah, and 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 that's that's bizarre in it, in and of itself. So here's these guys that go to this, and they are sacrificing the effigy of a child to essentially. Moloch, this, and then they're later coming back and saying, oh, well, we need family values and, you know, we need to, we need to put prayer back in the schools and, and we need all this, you know, good stuff for Jesus. Does that make any sense? (laughs) Yeah, we need to change. We need to stop killing our children. Yeah. (laughs) Now, there could have been an obsession, possibly. Uh, One of the things that you'll notice from, looking at some old photographs, like there's a mansion here in Nashville um, that you look at old photographs of like the parties they would have. And they would have parties that would be classically themed, like from the Greco Roman times. And this was kind of a fad at this time. And Bohemian Grove probably just picked up on that, but it's, it's very strange. And just these, 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 these practices that have kind of come down into the into these groups and a lot of it has to do with like the you know the ancient mystery school religions right from the ancient world uh the the cult of mithras uh and also things like gnosticism as well gnosticism was a christian heresy basically and there's so much of that going on right now but skull and bones uh i think is really interesting and i think that that's really kind of the the starting place for the Eastern establishment, basically. Okay. So now, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the whole child thing, uh, which is kind of disturbing, uh, something that that popped into mind was Aleister Crowley. Yep. Uh, Was it true or false? Or did you guys, because I don't know a lot about him. I know John brings him up quite a bit. Yeah. We talked to John a little bit about it yesterday. Did he not in just one year's time kill over a hundred children? Uh, you know, I've heard different things on that. I'm not a huge, like, Crowley scholar. Right. But I have also heard that he was just saying symbolic because what he was doing was, well, for lack of better words, he was masturbating and spilling his seed on the ground. And he was speaking symbolically that he killed a 100 children. He was talking about his sperm. Oh. I heard someone say that. Oh, well, then we're all in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Crowley is one of those guys that, uh, Crowley. That's how he wanted it to be pronounced because it was yeah. holy. Yeah, exactly. You know, Mr. Beast himself. It's like I, I made this point yesterday uh, with Dr. Ward, and it's like you have these people that are one hand, it's like Crowley was the beast of the revelations and he was just the ultimate evil. And then on the other hand, he's just a charlatan that, right. you know, did a lot of heroin. You guys notice when you talk to John, um, when he starts getting really intense, how his whole accent changes and he starts talking really slow and uh, yeah. he emphasizes little <laughs> I do, <know>, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God, just say it, brother. Just say it. <laughs> but you know, what's interesting, Rocky, I don't, did you, uh, wh- about the skull and bones is, I mean, I have a pretty much whole conspiracy. 
I guess for lack of a better word, conspiratorial history wrapped around these guys and the group, the group that they represent. Okay. Uh, a lot of those guys, uh, they've made their money selling opium to China along with the British. These were Yankee traders that went over there and they, the British would bring in the opium from India, which they owned at the time. So they would bring it in and they got the Chinese addicted to it. Right. right. And, and opium in the 19th century, I mean, you've heard of the opium wars. Okay. Uh, opium in the 19th century basically brought China to its knees. All right. And interestingly enough, one of the guys that did this, his, I can't remember the first name, but his last name was Delano, and he was the grandfather of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Mm. Okay. Interesting. He was So these guys made a ton of money selling drugs to China. And when they did that, when they got the money back to the United States, they invested in education, they invested in churches, they invested in statues of themselves. And I've always found it interesting that if you look at someone like Pablo Escobar in Colombia, that these guys, the Medellin drug cartel, which is just one drug cartel, I'll use them as an example, that they, when they got their money, they built churches, they built schools, they built statues of themselves. <laughs> it's just the same thing. It's just the same criminal, criminal background of these guys. Uh, it just it just depends on which one gets there first. Yeah, but which one gets there first has the legitimacy. Right. Pablo Escobar did it because he got into it late. Well, you know, think about the psychological factor. I mean, that's kind of like an old Italian uh, mafioso technique as well. Yep. As, as mm-hmm. you go out and you know, there, there's violence and there's death and there's murder and uh, there's yep. corruption and there's there's narcotics trades. But you give to your neighborhoods, you give them what they want, you give them food, you give them shelter, you give them a church to pray in, and they will praise you. And they you will give protect to your you. people and you give to your class. It empowers you, yes. And I, I what but what I think happened with these guys was they figured out we can bring a country to its knees by doing what we're doing. Whether that's by drugs or just flooding their market, we can bring a country to its knees. And I believe that what happened later on, as we go into the 20th century, is they brought Russia to its knees with the Russian Revolution. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of proof. Uh, there's a, there's an author, an historian, uh, he's long since dead now, but his name was Anthony Sutton. And I would, I would, I would recommend that you look him up. Uh, his whole concept was, was that guys on Wall Street, Rich guys like the House of Morgan financed the Russian Bolshevik Revolution. That they actually were in league. They used the communists as a way to get them to to get a hold of that market. If they could establish a totalitarian system over there that was that was not a democracy, they could eventually get in there. And what happened? In the 1920s and the 1930s, there was a huge investment in the Soviet Union. Okay, and American capital helped Joseph Stalin in, in his five-year plan, the first and second five-year plans, which 
millions of people died. Millions of people were sent to the gulags in, in Soviet Russia to build these dams, to build these factories. Russia industrialized overnight. And it was American capital and interest that funded this. Mm. There were uh, there was a town in the Soviet Union that was modeled on Gary, Indiana. Really? Yeah. And so we created basically our own enemy later on, right? Uh, the same thing happened after World War One with Germany. Germany was also brought down to its knees by these guys, and when the so when they said, "Oh, uh oh, well, now the Soviet Union's a threat. Now, now communism is a threat. We've kind of unleashed a beast here. We need something to counter that." British uh, interests and American interests helped to set up helped to set up Hitler in Germany. Uh, you know, IBM was one of the companies that, you know, the, the tattoos on the concentration camp right. victims, those were, those tattoos, those numbers were from the, were corresponded to an IBM punch card that IBM through one of its subsidiaries in Germany produced to, uh, to, to keep track of the prisoners in, in the concentration camps and in the death camps. See, and I got to say, while you're talking about this, and you're talking about IBM and you're talking about uh, our involvement with the, the whole World War II death camps, you know, when the average person hears this information, yeah. a lot of them would just kind of roll their eyes and shrug it off because they don't want to believe that there were certain parts of our government or corporations within our own country that helped move you know, the whole World War II... Uh, or call you anti-American or, call you or something anti-American. like that. I mean, yeah. people don't even have a clue that the Bush family was involved in, and how many other families that, that represented our own government were involved with Hitler, uh, building, construction, all different types of involvement over there in Germany during World War II. Prescott Bush was actually investigated by Congress in the early 40s. That's, that's um, George W.'s grandfather and George H.W.'s father. He was actually investigated. And all those guys were, were, they were all skull and bones. All those guys. Right. And see, this uh, is where that big correlation comes in is yep. the, the, the families and generational involvement. And now, wasn't it Bush? Wasn't he the one involved with helping actually build the concentration camps? I'm not sure about that. Okay. Uh, a lot of it was, a lot of that stuff was built by IG Farben Company, which had subsidiaries in the United States as well. I mean, these are multi, you're talking multinational conglomerates. Okay. I mean, like we, you know, we have that now, right? It's it's pretty much out of control. But at the time, that it was there as well, and there were connections back onto onto Wall Street, and in the halls of power here. And, you know, Henry Ford was admired by Hitler. Uh, <laughs> That's scary. Ford, whenever someone would buy, whenever someone would buy a Model T from the Ford Motor Company. You got a free copy of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which basically was this uh, forgery that was used to, to to denigrate the Jews and say the Jews were were the were the people that were causing all this conspiracy and all the misery. And even during World War II, American pilots were not allowed to bomb factories that were owned by Ford and producing armaments and material for Germany for the enemy. 
See, and this is uh, how does that blow? That, your that's it, it is because <laughs> I don't actually know where I'm going right now, but I had to, I felt like I had to say something. No, we were actually talking about this um, on the Situation Room last week on how we have this. I call it an exodus. We have an exodus happening right now. People fleeing you know specific countries in the Middle East. They're being sold throughout the world. Uh, we have ISIS all over uh, the Middle East. They are deheading innocent women, innocent children, innocent men. Uh, and, and a lot of them are Muslim that they're still killing, but they're not supporting the ISIS movement. We sit back and we watch this. And it's no different than during World War II when, when people knew that there was death camps. They knew that millions of Jewish yeah. people were being murdered. But what was done? We wait, for, we wait for the people, the powers to be, like we are talking about right now, the Skull and Bones group. We, we wait for them to make the decision on what to do. And while this is happening, so many innocent people are dying. And, and we're witnessing this right now. We're, we're witnessing right. this right now. And again, we do nothing. And it's easy for us. You know, we live in the United States. We have become very arrogant and we have become very comfortable living in this country. We feel very safe. Uh, sooner or later, that's going to backfire on us. And I tell people all the time that it's it's only going to be important to use when it happens to you. But imagine if it was your child, your uncle, your cousin, your brother, your sister that was being drugged out of their home, put on a public stage, and deheaded. Then it would be a right. big deal. Then the world would have to shut down and listen to you. And I have a hard time sitting. And I don't. I can't do not. What can I do? Get my truck and. Go rent a boat and go. I, I can't do anything. We can only hope that the powers to be or the powers in our government care enough for the humankind to help innocent people, no matter what country they're from, no matter what their religious faith is. They are human. They have the equal right to live just like anybody else does. And this is, this is the part that's really bothering me is that, that we are watching this happen. Whenever it happens to somebody over there, we just don't, we just don't care. If it, if it happened to us, then it's a big deal. And, and I mean, some of that is just kind of just basic human nature, right? right. I mean, that's just kind of how we kind of are. If something is, is distant from us, we don't, we don't react to it. Um, you know, and I think, you, you know, one thing that happened, Rocky is I, I had to, my pastor, my, one of my pastors at my church, right. When, um, after Sandy hook happened, uh, he said, you know, he wanted to, what he wanted to do was he said to, to pray for the children, not only for Sandy Hook, but the children in Syria. And I can tell you, man, I appreciated that that guy said that because, yeah, we do. Those are human beings. And there are children that are being killed. There are children that are being sold into slavery. It, it, I mean, it's happening. Right. And, you know, and I think about this, and this is, this is now when we go back to World War II and we think about the concentration camps. And it was allowed to happen for so long. You can't help. You cannot help, especially when you know some of the dirt that goes on within their own government. You can't help to think that there may have been a, a greater agenda within our own governmental system to allow this to happen as long as it did. And, of course, when the end of World War II came, what did we do? We took their best scientists and we brought yeah. them here and now they work for us. Yes. Bill Massa. Yep. Built NASA. And we, exactly. we didn't even, we not even, not just their scientists, you know, uh, Reinhard Galen, uh, he was a chief of intelligence in Germany. Uh, he created something within the CIA called the Galen org. Reinhard Galen in 1941 had been a Einsatzgruppe leader. 
the Einsatzgruppe were the guys that went out, and this is before the gas chambers became open. These were the guys that went out and rounded up Jews and killed them in mass graves. This guy went to work for us because we needed his information that he had on the Soviets. You know, I watched a video and um, uh, what was the the big main camp in Germany? Um, <sighs> what Auschwitz? Yes, it was. Yeah, and there was uh, a survivor from there was telling a story of how their whole family was brought there. They, you know, they they were on a train, and uh, they 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 explained everything how they walked into the camp and how, and it was a guy. He was talking about how he was separated, and he was a baby at the time. He was like maybe seven years old, six years old, and uh, he was talking about how when he got to the certain point, he was separated from his family. His sister was separated to a different location. His mom with the baby was somewhere else. And uh, that was the last he's ever seen of them. And, and I was watching this and, and I was in tears. And so we sit back and we talk about wars. We talk about Vietnam and world war one, world war two, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people died. And you know, it, it, we become almost numb to it because it's a statistic. And we look at a piece of paper and say, well, 1.2 million people were murdered. But imagine seeing those 1.2 million. I don't know what the number is, but I'm just saying, you know, it's just just an example. Imagine seeing the amount of people that died within World War II or any other war in one big pile somewhere. Yeah. And physically seeing all those dead bodies of babies and kids. And I mean, it would just be immense. It it would. We wouldn't be able to comprehend it. And then, then I question is, you know, how much of this is actually manufactured for greed? I, I'd say a lot of it is, I, I, and it, and it's, it kind of just comes down to just as simple as that. I mean, a lot of people want to think that there's this huge conspiracy and that there's the Illuminati uh, is the people that are the head of it, right? The big bad Illuminati that you see every time the Super Bowl comes on. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, I, I, I don't view it that way. Right. What I view as the kind of conspiracy theorist that I am, I, I view it as there's so many different groups that are just competing with each other. They may have common interests. They may have a common route with each other. Uh, like, you know, Von Bruning on your show talked about kind of the esoteric religion. Right. Well, that's kind of where they all come from, ultimately. But they all compete with each other. And, it, and, and so a lot of it just does come down to just simple greed. Simple, just wanting to have either this addiction to power or control over resources or both, you know, okay. it's like, you know, Game of Thrones happening every single day. I, you know? <laughs> I've never yet watched that. I started watching the yeah. first episode. I've never seen the Game of Thrones. And I know people that have probably watched the same show 15 times. They love it. Yeah. I mean, there's all, you know, on that show, there's always this, there's always intrigue going on. There's always people jockeying for this top position, right? And there's people underneath them that are, uh, that support them and sometimes turn against them. And then, you know, there's one character on the show that, you know, whatever, wherever the wind is turning, that's where he's going to be. And, there, there's there's people like that too that are just like strict opportunists. Rob, what do you think on all this? What's your take on all this? Yeah, I've talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm with Adam on it. I think a lot of the general population sees 
a lot of the wars and stuff that's going on is you know this religion versus this religion or this government yeah. versus this government. And I do. I think it's a lot more. Um, it's it's beneath that. I think that there's you know people with connections everywhere and people the people that have the true power that are pulling the strings that have their own agendas. That that's where we're kind of clueless about, and that's that's what I always try to think about is you know what is their end game. Like, what could they possibly be gaining by all this? If if it's not just resources, and they have all the money they need, they have all the power they need. You know, it's that's where I start to kind of freak myself out and <laughs> yeah. start thinking like, you know, you know, maybe maybe they think it's best if uh, there is a great bottlenecking of the population, and maybe that's why they do just sit back on their hands and watch us all fight over scraps and you know let all this horrible stuff go right. down because it actually benefits them at the end of the day. Do you remember uh, we had a we had uh, Peter Goodgame on the show, um, and Peter re- wrote a book called "The Globalists and the Islamists," and he wrote it actually right after nine eleven, but he only published it I think this year. And his basic premise in it is that what is going on over there and the chaos that's being whipped up is actually being whipped off whipped up by the these globalists that want to control the Middle East and they're using it. They're using this organization called the Muslim Brotherhood to do this. Um, and which a lot of the same kind of esoteric things, uh, uh, ideas and motifs are in the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, through, uh, Eastern Freemasonry. Okay. And that they've, they've been just whipping up this to keep the, the population there from experiencing the great things that we have here, because you don't want anybody to get to the point where they're like America and they're actually successful. You want to keep them down so you can pull their, pull out their resources, which I think is something that's happening too. I mean, our our resources are going to dwindle on this planet. Right. Right. And I just heard that last year, China has actually bypassed, the United States economy. So China is now number yep. one in economy. And, yep. we, and we created that. In the 80s, we allowed the bargain. We allowed the uh, import and, and export of uh, trades with China. And since we've done that, China has us flourish. And now we've empowered a country so much that we are in complete debt to them. Yep. And China scares me. China scares me. They really do. What scares you about them? Um, their lack of fear. They're fearless, kind of like uh, the ruler from what's that, North Korea. Yeah, um, he's fearless. He's young. He's dumb. He's arrogant, but he would not hesitate to push that button if needed. And uh, there's some people out there that would go through full debate, that would go through full, uh, they'll go through the entire peace process, the meetings, and uh, but there's people out there that would they would flip the trigger in a, in a blink of an eye uh, for their own personal agenda. There's a lot of comparisons on what's going on now with China and the United States relationship. And some historians have compared this to uh, what happened with, between Great Britain and Germany before World War One, in about like the 15 or so years leading up to it. Uh, you know, Britain and the United States, Britain and the United States being the already established powers, right? Germany and China being the powers that were kind of coming up. And there's a lot that you can kind of place on, and I know John would probably take me to task on this, but there's a lot you could probably place to blame on the British for starting World War I 
Even though the Germans, they attacked first. That's history. That's obvious. But the British probably really made it worse because they really turned it into a world war because they were they would could not and would not let Germany get past them. Right. Uh, like the the Berlin uh, to Baghdad railroad, uh, Germany was going to build this railroad that stretched from Berlin to Baghdad through the Ottoman Empire. Well, if they did that, they would have uh, access to the Persian Gulf, and that's not too far from British India. And the British were aware of this. They wanted influence in that area. They were like, we got to get rid of these Germans. And that's essentially what happened after World War One, right? They stripped them of their colonies. They stripped them of their, of their land. And you, you kind of see the same dynamic between China and the United States. However, China and the United States are much more integrated economically than those two countries were. Right. So we have this strange relationship between us and China where we're a little bit dependent on them and they're a little bit dependent on us. Right. Do you think it's going to take a turn for the South? I don't know. After what uh, Dr. Ward said, uh, this white paper where China really wanted to communicate with us yes. and wanted to, uh, wanted to build better relations. Uh, we, we may actually be becoming more together than we are. We are separate. And I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely okay with that. You know, I mean, why not? You know, I was having, a, I was having a. <laughs> did somebody just hit their head? <laughs> oh, I hit the uh, mic. Sorry. Um, yeah, we were talking. I got excited with my hands. Yeah, flying peace, man. Peace on the earth. We're not used to it. No, yeah. we were talking about. Um, uh, duh, duh. Okay, what were we just talking about? We were just talking about talking about China. And- Oh yeah, we were talking about you know the whole George Bush Senior and the the New World Order and the One World yeah. Order and and uh, you know and I've had this discussion and many of we'll call them bonfire conversations where we just sit around a fire and talk and you know I from an unconspiratorial side um, from just kind of thinking outside the box if you really look at the world today and look at the world as ran and how each country has their own rule and a lot of these countries run in a very disturbing way and and uh, their with their belief systems and. Uh, North Korea to be one of them. Uh, just look at these countries in the Middle East and how they treat their women and their children, and they're having their little, you know, nine-year-old son dehead a Christian to teach them that you hate Christians. And I right. thought about it from an outsider. Okay, now I'm looking from the outside in. If you thought about a one-world order from an unconspiratorial, unconspiratorial side, you know, maybe if everybody lived the same and was under the same law of peace and harmony. And if you do bad, you go, you know, you get in trouble. Um, you know, maybe it would be a better world, but unfortunately, with the people that we have in power, that the whole one world order thing would probably take, be taken advantage of immediately. And of course, in order for that to be implemented, other powers to be or at you know at, at bay would would have to be uh, vanished. They would they would have to go away for one group of people to run the world, and who would have the charge of that who would right you know what i mean would it be the yeah. would it be the un uh who would it be so who's going to enforce that who's going to enforce it yeah. so it, and, it's and, a tough debate very very tough debate and, and you know that sounds great i mean it, it really does but you, you, you know unfortunately what gets in the way of any kind of these utopian visions is just simple human nature exactly that's it I mean, you know, you look at Karl Marx, you look at communism. I mean, like on paper, it's beautiful, right? Right. It sure as hell wasn't in practice. 
I'll say you, it again. You, I support my robot overlords. Yeah, yeah you, you got Joseph Stalin out of the whole deal, right? Right. And, and, and I mean, have you ever, um, have you ever seen a movie and, and I, and I point people back to this movie. Have you seen a movie called Chronicle? Oh, I bet you I have. I just, I, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but I probably have. I probably own it. it. It's one of those, it came out a few years ago. It's one of these found footage kind of movies. And basically the plot of the movie is, you know, spoiler alert. So you, if you haven't seen it, turn it off. But <laughs> the, the plot of the movie is, is these three teenagers find some weird, like, ufo or something in this in the bottom of a like of a hole of like a cave or something and all of a sudden because they get exposed to this power they end up having superpowers okay yes and i saw it it. yeah yep the and so one but one of them is this kind of loser who you really feel sorry for right because his parents you know, his, his, his dad abuses him. His mom is sick. He's beaten up on all the time. Right. And he has his, uh, I guess it's his cousin. That's one of the other kids that gets, gets these powers. Right. Well, you feel sorry for him at first, but later on he gets corrupted by this intense power yes. that he has. And that I think is what happens with the elite and some of these ideas that they have, like this current trend of transhumanism mm-hmm. that's going on. Uh, you, you know, that, that it's a little funny, but at the same time, it's a little scary too, because you've got people talking about doing all these different, um, augmentations and combining ourselves with computers and combining ourselves with robots. Like Rob was talking about the ro- robot <laughs> overlords. However, there's going to be these poor schlubs out there that are not going to get those augmentations. Right. And that's, and there's, then there's going to be the other ones that are going to set themselves up as gods. However, they're still human. They're just like that kid in Chronicle. Right. And he just goes nuts and just starts destroying things. And once in, in Belize, I'm a superior being. I'll take everything out. That's a great example. That have ever hurt me. That is great. And I was like, when I saw that movie, Rocky, I, I went to see it because my, my stepson wanted to see it. I was like, this looks like a stupid movie. <laughs> I left that movie thinking somebody out there in Hollywood gets it. Yep. Yep. You know, now here's another thing, too, is that now that new movie. See, I keep calling him The Rock. I can't call him Dwayne Johnson. I, he's The Rock to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's right. him in the ring, you know. Uh, right. Uh, Andreas, is that the name of the movie? Sandreas? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. You know, it's one that's coming out. Yes, it just came out this weekend. And, and the thing is, is that you always see a Hollywood movie come out and then somehow in some way that movie becomes true. Um, now, there's been a lot of weird things happening uh, within our own planet regarding earthquakes and volcanoes. And um, do you ever feel, you know, and that you're talking about the Chronicle. Do you yeah. ever feel this to be like somebody has a premonition or they see some major event happening? So let's hurry up and make a movie. Uh, do you see this ever being a possibility of what happened, you know, to happen in California? It may be possible from the point of view that these kind of things are out there, like the kind of like a zeitgeist kind of thing, like the ghost of the ghost of the time is what that, you know, uh, that what's that uh, translated to that people, people just feel that something is going to happen right. and that maybe these ideas are just out there in kind of like the subconscious and these script writers probably pick up on it. Um, 
you know, I don't know about the earthquake things, well, but there are certain things that happen. There, I think there's other things that happen in movies that give us little possibility that there's groups using movies to put in clues, right? As well, and a lot of political propaganda and a lot of uh, a lot of ideology in movies. What makes it me a little nervous is if you go and Google, and to anybody who's listening, just go to Google and Google uh, what's it the the Navy's future map or the future map the future map of the U.S. Navy. And it actually shows what the United States is going to look like in so many years. And the Gulf of Mexico actually comes up to Kansas. Most of California is gone. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of the East Coast is, is going to be underwater. And uh, and I had a great point to where I was going with this. <laughs> do, you, do you know where that kind of comes from, though? Do you know where that comes from? I, I, the future Navy map? It actually a lot of that stuff comes from Edgar Casey. Okay, I'm not familiar with who he is. Edgar Casey was this. Uh, he was called the Sleeping Prophet, and he like he's a guy from Kentucky. Okay, not too far from where we are now. Okay. And he he hit his head, and all of a sudden was able to come up with all these predictions. Right, he said that the the Atlantis would rise from the would rise from the sea in the late sixties. And sure enough, they found a road there in like Bimini that, that in the Bahamas. Yep. Uh, but he also had this thing about, there's going to be these major earth changes. And a lot of it was supposed to happen around the year 2000. And someone, I don't think it was himself, but someone drew a map mm-hmm. of, of that. And it's similar to what, what you described. And so I think a lot of this stuff, probably comes from just these ideas that are out there and they may not have any, it may be a particular group or it may be someone that's influenced by that group. That's, that's putting, putting this stuff together. So now this is where I was going with that is that uh, you probably see my post the other day where I just made a comment about, you know, all these Walmarts that have been shutted, they've been shut down. Jade Helm. Yes. Jade Helm. Exactly. Uh, you know, I know it freaks out a lot of people. I, I remember a couple of years back, they were doing military training here within the Twin Cities, and they had the Black Hawk helicopters flying in the middle of the night, low to the ground. Yeah, that was crazy. It is crazy. and, and But, you know, and this is where, I, again, this is where I step out of the box, and I put my personal judgment aside, and I try to look at it from a different perspective. Is this, you know, I, I'm in the fire department. I'm on a hazardous material emergency response team. If we did not train and train and train and train and train all the time, we would not be able to handle the situations in the manner that we do. We had a huge chemical spill last week, and if we didn't do all the training that we did, we would have been I – mean, we had 15, 16 inches of, of uh, nitric acid. It was that deep in this huge pool. It was almost two feet deep. Um, so now if, if we – and you guys know the possibilities are there, that if we get attacked within our own country, and you know the possibilities here, if we did not train within our own land – and I know, again, it freaks people out, the military being on our own soil – uh, but if we didn't train and something happened, they would be condemned for not being prepared. Right. Um, it's a different time. It's a different age. Uh, we know for a fact that there are terrorists already embedded within our country. We know most of them work at airports. Most of them work for the cab companies. They they, they run a majority of our transportation. And, uh, you know, there's number one way to shut down this country is by shutting down your transportation. And the next thing would be to shut down the grid, your power systems. Um, if, if we're not prepared, and again, I understand people get freaked out when they see tanks in their neighborhood, but it, it's an it, it's a necessity. It's necessary that this gets done because sooner or later we are going to be threatened again within our own streets, 
And um, so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this, on this, mili- this G8 helm, on uh, the military training. What are your guys' thoughts with the training within their own country? Do you think it's acceptable? Do you think they, sh- they should find a better way to do it? Do you think they should build a mock city outside of the country and practice that way? What are your guys' thoughts? No, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's totally necessary, not just with the, um, the training and stuff, but there's other, other sort of uh, you know, procedures and stuff that they have to have set in place just in case. You know, it's the government. They have contingency plans for contingency plans. Like, they're ready for, for all, all kinds of scenarios that we don't even know about, that we don't even yeah. want to think about. And a lot of that's you know, as simple as resource management or as you know, crowd control or, or whatever, but it's, they, they have to have it ready. They have to have it in place now. You know, not well, I think uh, I, I when th- they need it. I think a great example of of not being prepared would have been when the levees broke down in uh, New Orleans, and yeah. I mean, look how long it took for that town to get back under control. I mean, it, it went almost a week in complete chaos. This is one city, one city that we could not get under control because of a flood. We weren't attacked. It was a flood, it, and from a hurricane and and that's the part that scares me they put a whole bunch of people into a stadium people were being murdered they were committing suicide uh the streets were were out of control but what if something at a let's say uh yellowstone national park let's say that volcano erupted now we're talking multiple states yeah i mean if if yellowstone erupts then uh you know that would just not be good (laughs) (laughs) have you seen the movie the road that's how that would be uh you know the thing about katrina and new orleans i think that probably really did change the game and a lot of us did but a lot of people don't know that it did and the government probably started looking at it as like we kind of better be ready for any kind of contingency uh the problem is is going in the total opposite direction and being so ready that once something doesn't happen, you're just kind of sitting there like, well, we got all this apparatus. What are we going to do with it? <laughs> oh, well, let's turn it on everybody because nothing's going on. Uh, you, you, I, I worry about that as a possibility. I, I also, you know, I've looked at the whole Jade Helm thing. I think a lot of it is you got to be careful when you look at stuff like Alex Jones, like I used to be a real Alex Jones fan, like everything Alex said, I was like, yeah, Alex Jones. <laughs> Not a but, fan. you know, now I'm just like, he whips up that fear man and he, and then like, he's like, it's like, it's coming Jade Helm. And then, then he's selling seeds. Right. You know, so there's a certain niche market that oh, he's right. found of these survival, these survivalist guys. And he's going to sell stuff to them. Right. 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 Because he's a radio guy and, you know, that's the national radio guy. And that's what he does. Well, he's kind of hypocritical if you think about it, because he attacks the government for for creating a fear and then profiting off the fear. Well, right. The same thing. Right. He does the same thing. And so I thought a lot of the Jade Helm stuff was just kind of ridiculous, like the Walmart stuff. Like, who knows what's going on with the Walmarts? Who knows if that's even related? Right, you know nobody. Anything when I looked into it, nobody like I that I saw on the internet could really even tell me if it was or if it wasn't. And it was just like there was a lot of assumptions that were going on, you know. And you know what they say about assuming something, right? It it, it and it's like, but the the thing that I had to ask, and no one else was really that I could see was really asking was, 
why do we have to do this in the first place? Why do we have to have a an exercise where we basically round people up and we have our own troops out there infiltrating and basically being plain clothes and gathering information about people? And this leads. Why do we have to do this? And this leads up to my next question for you guys: FEMA camps. Hmm. And go. I wish Luke was here for this one because <laughs> Luke and I are pretty much kind of we're pretty much kind of on the fence about that. Uh, I think Luke's more so on the fact that he thinks that there's no such thing as FEMA camps. Okay. Uh, I I don't know. There might be facilities that are there just in case something happens they could take people to. But the point is kind of moot, Rocky, because it's already happened in our history. Right. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about the Japanese internment camps. Yes. It's already happened. You know, a lot of people it, didn't even know they existed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, George Takei from Star Trek, he was a child in one of those camps. No kidding. People lost their livelihood, man. They, they, they lost because, and a lot of it was just from just flat out racism and fear on the West Coast because they'd always hated the yellow people over there. From the 19th century, they hated them. So once the war started, they had an excuse to put them to get them all out of there. And it, and so it's happened before it really has. And, 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 and if there's a, a major crisis in this country where martial law, they won't have any problem converting places into, in, into camps or, or areas to put people. Right. And you know, this guy, they'll do it. I had a question for me the other day. He was referring to the military and, uh, I know there's certain things they can and cannot do with the American citizens and on, on American soil, but is that itch nilled once we go into a martial law state? Then can the military? It may be. We've never actually had martial law in this country, but there's but but you can look at other countries as an example. I mean, martial law has happened in, in various different places, like Chile in the 1970s. You know, people were executed because it was under under martial law, right. and a lot of people will say to me, well, that, this is America. That's never going to happen here. I just say BS on that because we're no better than anybody else. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we're still human beings. We still make mistakes. Our leaders are still going to make stupid calls and we're still, that kind of thing is going to happen. It's just like the Kennedy assassination. Right. The the one thing that I'll, that, that I remember from the nineties and arguing with people about Kennedy and especially with like my dad, for some reason, just still to this day, believes that Oswald was the one who shot Kennedy. And, you know, people would just be like, that's never going to, that, that, that couldn't happen here. Not in the United States. I'm like, it happens all over the world. It's happened throughout history. You, you know, well, and that, what makes us special right. that, it, that this wouldn't happen? That's what I was referring to when we first started this conversation tonight was, is that, you know, we have this perception that, you know, we go to work and, and we pay our taxes and we get to go to ball games on the weekend and we get to go fishing. And, and yeah. we find we find a security within that. We find this this belief that this is a freedom. And, and a lot of countries have this privilege. But you guys know this more than me. I'm, I'm actually really impressed with you guys' knowledge on a variety of different things because, again, I'm just, I'm just a guy on the surface that is just now recently learning a lot of this information. But the more you learn within our own governments and world governments on what really happens, 
it that's where it really starts messing with your head and you start questioning what's real and what's not you know kind of when somebody says well this is our the united states it could never happen here uh we are probably we probably have the biggest target on our backs than any other country right now within the world so it is the United States. It is. We have this false perception that we are a free society, but think about it. Uh, we, we are robots. We, we live to work, and we work to live. Uh, we, we pay most of our money out in taxes. We have this false security that our 401 is our retirement, which it generates more money for other people than it does for us at the end of the day. Um, it, it's just I, I don't get it. I mean, I love my life. I appreciate what I have. I'm not complaining about what I have, um, but I think that this country the last few years especially has changed in a way to where it's really going to hurt us and it's going to it's going to be a painful readjustment if we don't nip it right now what do you think the solution to that is uh you know we all right so okay i'm going to say it i think it's our leadership you know during during the entire riots that we had in baltimore i mean look at even today even to this day look at how many people are dying right now in baltimore and chicago and all these major cities over race um, since the whole Baltimore thing, since the whole Trayvon Martin thing, actually, uh, the racism escalated to levels that we haven't seen in many years, probably since the 60s. Yeah. And where's our leadership? Now, damn it, if I was the president, I would have been up. I would have been on national TV. I would have been all over Twitter. I, and you know what? It, it, they need to stop it. They, they played too much politics. They, they're so sensitive about everybody's feelings. No, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. If you're breaking the law you're breaking the law and you will be punished. Even if you're a cop and you break the law, you will be punished. Um, it's, it's like some kind of weird ideological tactic that, that has gone on. And, and I definitely noticed it right when Obama came into office. Um, you know, remember after 9-11 and as we were kind of in that in-between stage from after 9-11 to the beginning of the Iraq war right. and the push to go into Iraq from the Bush administration. A lot of people, if you disagreed with their policy, a lot of people were tarnished as unpatriotic. I think that Obama's administration has done the same thing, where if you disagree with Obama, now you're racist. Mm -hmm. But have you ever listened to Michelle Obama's speeches? No. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it'll make you sick. I mean, she, she she calls us racist, or she calls the general population racist. But I yeah. believe that when she gets up on stage and and calls uh, the, the whites derogatory names, that's pretty racist as well. And what kind of leadership is that? And you're right. Ever since Obama did come into office, a lot of things changed, and uh, we tiptoe around a lot of things. This is the United States of America. This country was built off the establishment of God and Christianity. If you don't like our policies, if you don't like our rules, if you don't like our regulations, there's a lot more of this world that you can live instead of in this country. And uh, I, I believe that we need the right leadership to keep this train moving forward. But instead, we're creating all these little baby demons, and these little baby demons are going to grow up to be teenagers, and they're going to grow up to become adults, and we're going to have more problems on our hand than we're going to be able to handle. And I, it's going to create, honestly, guys, I think it's going to create a revolution because a lot of people I know from the motorcycle community and, and other communities, they have had it. They have had it with this race stuff. They've had it with the violence going on in the streets within our cities. And there's going to be that day where you're going to see on the news, you are going to see patriotic Americans want to take their country back. And there's your revolution. Well, that's, that's a good point there. I just want to jump in real quick and say that over the past 
10 years or so, a lot of definitions have kind of gotten altered a little bit, like Patriot being one of them. Now, I, can, I consider myself to be a Patriot because I, I love the, the values that our country was founded on. Yes. Whether they're being adhered to today or not. Yeah, I, I, I think they're great yeah. ideas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think that uh, one of the really important things that we founded the country on was the checks and balances system. Which, for us, for the general population, that just means keeping an eye on the government and keeping them sort of in check. Yeah, and accountable. It's important for them to be afraid of us. Exactly. Do you think there should be term limits on all politicians? Yes. I do, too. Damn it. Well, okay, I want to add something about, um, you know, what you're talking about. First of all, you know, you would think us having a black president in this country... You know, like we would abridge this gap. We would abridge this whole racism thing that, you know, this, this, the whole, um, black and white struggle with each other that's been going on since before this country was even founded, as it was being settled, actually. You think we would try to transcend this, but it just seems like the opposite has happened. Right. Um, what concerns me from, from what you what you also said about the the biker gangs and people fighting back to take their country back that kind of rhetoric as a student of history it really concerns me right and i and I, and it, because you know and i'll go back to germany you look at germany in the 19th in the early 1930s the groups that fought each other on the streets the the stormtroopers of the, the the Nazis on one side and the communist cadres on the other side. Uh, there was that kind of stuff going on then. And there was very much this element. And I'm not saying that the bikers are Nazis, okay? Right. But there's very much this element and very much this idea in fascism that says we need to take our country back. Whichever fascism that is, whether that's socialist fascism, far-right fascism, religious fascism, which exists, and you're hearing this from the far right Christians right now, where we need to take our country back. That kind of rhetoric really does worry me because I've seen you, you, you can, you can look at history and you can see it, you know, and I'm really afraid of where this country is going to be, whether we are just further descending into like some, some kind of, into almost like a kind of fascism in a way. Right. And, and, and I just, just for what I hear from conversations, you know, a majority of these people feel they would be doing the right thing. They would feel that it's part of their duty because they feel they are out of options by depending on government officials to put an end to this once and for all. Yeah. And they're frustrated. They are very frustrated. I mean, extremely, especially, I mean, this a few days ago, a little eight year old kid, he got shot in the back. I mean, it was a drive-by. They opened a van door. They, they shot a bullet in the back of an an eight year old kid's back and they drove off. This is what's happening in Chicago right now. Um, and, and this is where the 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 uh, opposite, the the what I'll call the the patriots, uh, or the people who want to take their countries and city back. This is what they're witnessing, and this is what they're seeing. And there is no action being done. Actually, there's less action being done. Cops don't even want to go into some of these neighborhoods anymore. They don't even want to take the calls, uh, especially in Baltimore, Chicago, Los Angeles, yep. Oakland. They don't want to go into these cities anymore because their life is so under threat that there are communities out there that have waged war against law enforcement just because they have a badge. There's such distrust. There's such distrust, too. I mean, like the Ferguson stuff. 
I mean, that was just a tragedy all the way around. And that's really all it was. You know, this, I, I do not believe that that Michael Brown kid had his hands up. He tried to struggle with that officer and that officer shot him and it was a tragedy, but it was like just the straw in the community that broke that camel's, that broke the camel's back because there's been so much distrust on both sides. And, you know, the, 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 the Department of Justice report that showed that, you know, the police were targeting black people and they were uh, giving more tickets to black people in, in ways to raise revenue. Right. I mean, what, what is that? Right. And you know, and, no, no, no one's innocent here. Right. And that's in, in any way. That's it. That's exactly it. And this is, this is why I go all the way up to the top. And this is where we depend on our politicians and our president of this country to put a halt to it, to, to create a consequence uh, to every action, no matter what side of the fence you're on, you know, and, and I'm glad to see, and I guess I'm not glad to see, but, you know, a lot of these officers that are involved in criminal activities, they're they're front and center on stage getting prosecuted, as they should. What's going on with the biker gangs uh, right now? Okay, so now... The, Do you have some insight on that that you used to ride with these guys? Um, you know, I call myself a peaceful brother these days, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you guys, it's not like Sons of Anarchy, huh? Uh, you know, it's, I don't even watch Sons of Anarchy. I just you know, you, <laughs> I've never watched it either, so I don't. <laughs> when you do you watch it, Rob? <laughs> have you ever watched it? Have you watched any of the episodes? No, no I haven't. You know, when you live the lifestyle, and then you watch Sons of Anarchy, it just it you don't you just don't when you live it you you don't praise it because you see the darkness in within these communities and. Uh, yeah. So the motorcycle communities again. I'm not. I'm not pointing any specific group out or anything like that. But uh, it, the majority of them are good, wholesome family. Uh, it's a great brotherhood. They love one another. They'll die for one another. Uh, but this goes way deeper than uh, where it all started down in Texas. Uh, this was called the COC meeting. And uh, while people don't know what a COC meeting is, it's a confederation of clubs. And every state has a confederation. Basically, it's a meeting that they have where all. All different types of bikers, not just one percenters. Uh, we're talking veteran groups. We're talking even you got BACA, the Bikers Against Child Abuse. You got Bikers Against Drug Driving. You got all these different organizations. They all come together as one, and they have these meetings every year to maintain peace within the streets because, you know, again, you have the higher level um, organizations that are involved in some criminal activity, and uh, it's, it's just a matter of keeping the peace within the biker community. Unfortunately, there are sides and there are borders. And um, so what everybody's perception is, is that this started out as an argument within the bathroom of a couple bikers. They got in an argument, and then before you know it, within two minutes, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 people were dead, and 60, 70, 80, however many people were injured. But this oh – well, and this, this is your typical thing. I mean, I remember we used to ride, and I, I won't say who I used to ride with, but we would get pulled over just because what we had on our backs. And they had the legal yeah. right to do that. They would check our IDs. They would separate us. They would only let us ride in groups of 10. Um, but there's so much more than what people understand within this motorcycle community with the federal government and other organizations involved, because some of these organizations are worldwide. I mean, they are worldwide. They're in Germany, they're in China, they're in Russia, they're in Australia, they're in uh, Switzerland or everywhere. Uh, they're a powerful, they're powerful organizations. And this whole thing that happened in Texas was something that has been building up for a very, very long time. Now, how could the federal government shoot over 2,000 rounds in less than two minutes? They would, have to, they would have to be prepared for something already before it even happened. And they were already there. They were already staking the place out. They already had people on the roofs. They already had helicopters there uh, for a confederation of club meeting. 
they had half the state there of federal agents. So within the motorcycle community, there's something happening that's a lot deeper than uh, what, what people see every day on the streets. You know, just like I always tell people, the most dangerous people in the world are the ones you'll never know. It's that, it's that little guy from Puerto Rico who's 80 years old doing his laundry at the laundromat who has, you know, seven, eight million dollars in his little apartment and, and he can have somebody taken out within a phone call. Uh, yeah. But this whole motorcycle thing now, and it's not conspiracy. This is a real deal. This is this is the federal government waging war against the motorcycle community. And uh, and then they go around and they try to tell public establishments that you cannot allow anybody wearing a rip inside your establishment, wearing a patch. And uh, they can't they can't do that. It's against a constitutional violation. Only a, or only an organization, only a business can say no colors allowed, but they can't be forced to do it. They tried to do that in my city right here. And uh, the, the chief of police ended up retiring two months after he tried to enforce that. Uh, that's because half the bikers from the entire state ended up in this town at the town hall meeting, and, and they, they fight back. Uh, but when they fight back, it's, it's real warfare. A lot of these guys are veterans. A lot of these guys are well-rounded when it comes to warfare tactics and techniques. Um, so for some reason, the federal government is trying to give a false perception of what these people are, what they do. And again, we have that percentage that are criminals. Uh, you know, 70-some percent of the people that were arrested down in Texas didn't even have a criminal record. But yet they had a million-dollar bail. So um, they're, they're pushing, and I, I find it to be a very dangerous move, especially within the time that we're having right now, because it's going to be the motorcycle community that's going to be the first ones on the streets if we're ever attacked from the outside in. So yeah. I, I do tell people to strongly do your research on this before you judge bikers, before you, just because somebody has a patch on their back, it does not necessarily mean that they're involved with criminal activity. Uh, right. This goes way deeper than what people know and probably what people will ever know. But uh, again, here we go. Uh, we can get very conspiratorial about it, but there's a lot more to this whole situation within the biker community than people could even put their mind to. It's like any, it's like any other group. They're... You know, there's bad apples within any any group. Right. You know, And the ones that always stand front and center are the banditos. We all know who the banditos are. We all know who the Hells Angels are. We all know who the outlaws are. We all, I, I mean, we, we have the big organizations out there that are one percenters, and uh, they, they usually take front stage uh, within the states. But what, is, what does that term mean? One percenters? One percenter means 99% of your life you live outside the law. Okay. Um, they're very dangerous organizations, and they are worldwide. And uh, I know a lot of guys from all parts of the country, all parts of the world that are one percenters. Um, they have always shown me and my family nothing but love and respect. And uh, there's there's a couple, uh, you know, that you would never face your back towards them. But, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, they just look at life differently than your typical person who has a corporate job somewhere and complains because he has to winterize his cabin. These guys, these guys look at life differently and they're not afraid to get their knuckles dirty. Right. There, there was something that was going on this last weekend, or this weekend, I think. Um, these bikers were protesting a mosque in Phoenix, Arizona, and the guys that opened fire at that event in Garland, Texas, yep. I believe that they were members of this mosque. And, and I know that was going on the, this this weekend. And again, this is, this is going to be, you know, you, you know, Tread carefully when you say the word revolution or, or a religious war, uh, because there are a lot of Christian motorcycle clubs. And yeah. um, there is this huge unrest within our country with religion and these mosques that are being put up. And 
um, people are very uncomfortable with it because it seems like, well, I'll give you a good example. You guys know that I work with a lot of kids that get bullied at schools. Well, I was contacted by a family. It was you know, probably over a month ago now. I don't know exactly how long, maybe six weeks ago. Uh, a kid had his Bible with his books in school, and he was told he had to put the Bible away back in his locker, and he won it. So he got expelled. And uh, so my question is, if somebody came in with a Quran, would they be asked to put that away or would they be ex- ex- expelled? And without getting an answer, I already know the answer is no because people fear the, uh, the Muslim religion. They fear it. They hate it, but they fear it. Uh, so it's okay to tell somebody who's Christian you can't be in this school because you refuse to put your uh, Bible away. But it's okay if you're Muslim, you can come in with your Quran and we can stop and accommodate your prayers that you got to do every hour. And this, yes. this is the unbalance that we're facing within our country. I, I saw you. I saw you. Uh, I saw you post that. Um, you, you know, something like that just seems like it's just like the, almost the height of stupidity. It, you, you know, these 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 schools with kind of like their zero tolerance crap, and you know, the kid that picks up a chicken wing or chicken finger and says, points it at somebody, says, "Bang bang, you're dead," and they right. expel him. Right. You know, it's just it's just it, it, these kind of these kind of absurdities. And yeah, there's. A lot of political correctness going on there, too. And that's what's going to destroy us from the inside out is the political correctness because whether it be religion or whether it be personal beliefs, uh, it's going to be trying to accommodate the needs of yeah. everybody. And we need to stick to, uh, like you said earlier, what, what this country was based off of. And uh, that's opportunity. And that's the freedom of religion. And, and that's the freedom to believe whatever the hell we want to believe in, but making sure that we respect everybody else at the same time. And uh, I don't think our younger generations even know what the word respect stands for anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of scary stuff out there. Hey, you, you, you know, Rocky, uh, one thing I want to make a point about religion, and um, my, my good friend Dr. Future could speak better to this than I can, but I, I really feel that there's religions that are being just kind of slowly turned against each other. Right. Like Islam versus Christianity. Right. Uh, I feel like there's a hand if we, if we want to talk about John's hidden hand right. uh, that there's a hand out there that is slowly kind of turning these two groups against each other well what is what is the focus when we think of Islam and when we think of the Muslim faith what stands forefront every time you talk about a Muslim well the what stands at forefront is the involvement with terrorism yeah the radicals yeah uh, how many radicals? Right. What's the percentage of radicals within the whole Muslim faith? What are the, what is there? Four billion Muslims? Yeah, uh, there's just about a billion. About okay, a billion Muslims, yeah. and they they figure about thirty percent of them are radicals. Now, thirty percent of a billion is that's a big number. That's three hundred million, um, and that's why I think yeah. they stand out so much is is because of their hatred that they have towards the Christian religion. Uh, they even kill their own if they don't believe exactly how they chose to believe. And I mean, you talk about a guy hitting his head and having premonitions about what the earth is going to look like. I no disrespect to anybody the Muslim religion because I, I have a lot of friends that are Muslim. But didn't the Prophet Muhammad actually have kind of a similar experience in his 30s and uh, had a seizure? And, and then he had these premonitions from a seizure. And, and before you know it, he's the Prophet Muhammad. So... Yeah, you know it, it's it's all in perspective, and you know then again with all the information that you guys know and all the information that I know, how much of this was manifested? How much of this was generated to become exactly what it is today? 
I think quite a lot of it I do too. was probably was probably generated. I, I, my personal opinion, as someone that is also a Christian, is that there is by some of these what you would say like what Von Bruning said the esoteric religion. Yep. Uh, I think that there's a very big push to turn two of the major monotheistic religions against each other. And what do you think the ultimate goal of this is? I think the ultimate goal is is that once the dust settles from the massive war and the massive death, these groups will come in and say, oh, well, we, we're going to bring you enlightenment now. And I think that could possibly be, if I want to get uh, all dispensational here, that could possibly be the time of the rule of the Antichrist. Right. And that's what it's being set up for. Uh, like I said, my good friend, Dr. Future, he's kind of writing a 10-book ten ten, uh, series that kind of deals with this. I think it would be kind of a what's name, going on. I think it would be cool to have a name like that. Yeah. Doctor. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm Dr. Future. He definitely sounds more important than me. <laughs> yeah. Rob is not as impressive. Or Adam. You know? <laughs> That's one thing we decided to do is not to do like silly names. <laughs> hey, you got to forget, you know, the, I'm the emotional meatball, but I, you are the I, emotional meatball, I carry yeah. that with pride, brothers. <laughs> you know, I try to watch a serious movie, got nothing. I watch some low budget documentary. I'm balling like a two year old kid. I don't. <laughs> Well, guys, hey, listen, we are we are getting close on time here, and uh, yeah. so I just wanted to let everybody know that you guys can hear Conspiracy Normal. You you got Rob, uh, you, you got Adam, and, and then you got uh, what do we call him? Part time Luke, maybe something. Yeah, Luke, <laughs> Mr. Luke Skyrider <laughs> is what kidding. he calls himself. But because uh, he's a skater, he's a skater. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys can catch them here on the IPBN network. Uh, their their show has brought a lot of curiosity to the network. I'm grateful for what they do. I'm extremely impressed with their knowledge on a variety of issues. Some people focus on one, uh, but you guys, uh, I'm really impressed with the magnitude of information that you guys know regarding so many different situations. And, and uh, you know, I've always tried to be careful with this subject, but now it's to the point to where I am almost want to get a little more aggressive on it because I feel that people need to know knowledge is everything. And I, yeah. so many people don't, they don't even have a clue on what is really happening. Uh, within our world, they believe what they see on that two two minute clip on the news, and and that's all they draw their conclusions without doing any kind of research involved in it. But now these guys, you can go to our website ipbn-fm.com. Uh, we have their podcast from their from their show Conspira Normal. We have their podcast on there, but I strongly recommend that you go to www.conspiranormal.podomatic. Dot com and these guys have a load. They have a whole bunch of uh, podcasts that you can listen. Just start with their very first show and work your way up. I'm extremely impressed. Uh, they have great guests on their show, Thank and you, you can learn a lot. So, um, and again, you can catch them here. They are going to be played Thursday nights at six o'clock right here on the IPBN-FM.com. And do you guys, uh, how some other ways people can contact you guys? Well, uh, we have our email, which is uh, conspiranormal at gmail.com. And we have our Facebook page, Facebook page dot uh, com slash conspiranormal. Um, and Adam Sane, if anyone, my last name is uh, S A Y N E. If anyone's interested in uh, hit me up on Facebook, I'll friend them, and they can keep up with the stuff there as well. And if you guys, if you guys, if anybody out there listening has done any kind of extensive research on anything of interest. 
contact these guys and and send them your information, send them your book, and and uh, try to get on their show because it's they got a lot of loyal listeners, and I I applaud them for that. Thank you. As well, we 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 enjoy your shows too, um, Rocky EBN that we're on now, and also the Situation Room. Yeah, this is great stuff that makes me think all all the time. I tell you guys, you know, when when Scotty and John uh, first approached me, we talked about doing the Situation Room. There was a long time in my life that I avoided politics and world events just because, for one, I get emotional about it. I get upset, and uh, I, I'm not a big political correctness type of guy. I mean, if something's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And and right. I, I've learned a lot from Scotty and John. Uh, obviously, you guys here, we, we disagree with each other quite a bit, but I think that creates a good dynamic because if we all thought the same, nothing would change. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm learning a lot from that show, and, and I'm becoming more comfortable with it. But, again, there's another thing, world events, and watching this world portrayed the way it is is, is troubling, and it, it bothers me, and I get upset, and then that peacefulness wants to go away, and I want to stay peaceful, man. <laughs> yeah, us too, man. <laughs> so, but gentlemen, thank you so much for for thank coming you. on. And uh, and again, uh, well, I tell you something. We should almost consider doing like a, a monthly a monthly show together too. Yeah, uh, there's some stuff we didn't get we didn't get uh, we didn't get to talk about. Like, a, there's a lot of spiritual aspects of this too, right. which you know, I'm a huge believer in that the in the, in the spiritual world. You know, that's my life now, brother. That's my life yep. now. So, so folks, we're going to wrap it up. You are listening to me, Rocky Stucci, and uh, my guest tonight, again, Adam and Rob from Conspiranomo. So, folks, until next week, from my family to yours, much love and much respect. Have a good night. Take All care, right. Rocky. See ya. Good night. All right, we're back on Conspiranormal. Uh, that, was our ex- that was our appearance on Everything But Normal Radio with Mr. Rocky Stucci. Uh, really awesome guy. We really love talking to him. We... We, we covered so much there, and uh, quite frankly, at this point, I'm just kind of exhausted from both inter- both the interviews that we've had <laughs> <laughs> this week, so <laughs> I just kind of get something like your insight on that, Rob. And, yeah, you're, you've been busy. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been crazy. <laughs> no, yeah, he, he's a great guy. I enjoyed talking to him again. He's, you know, you uh, need to go back and check out some more of his shows. I've yeah. caught a couple of them. But. Yeah, he has, a, he has a really good show, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoy the guests that he has on, and and uh, he's he's kind of just doing it by himself now. Um, the other show that he's doing is like we we talked about the Situation Room, and that's him, Scotty Roberts, and Doctor Ward. Now, which all three of them have now been on the show. Uh, it, you know, that's a great show, man. I love the give and take between those three guys. I mean, they have they just have like the I think the perfect setup. It's like it's funny because Scotty Roberts and um, Rocky are both there, kind of like in the Minneapolis area. Although I think they're across the river in Wisconsin, but um, and then John's all the way out in like Egypt, you know, or, or Sweden, <laughs> or where or UK or wherever he is at this point. And so it's it's a real thrill under show. I've I've actually uh, learned a lot just about like just current events and keeping up with it, which is weird because I learned so much more from podcasts than I do from watching the news. Yeah, that's, that's strange how that. <laughs> how that works so but uh if there's anything else you want to add uh otherwise we'll just call it a night um our double header yeah i think i think that's a wrap for the weekend (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, we don't have brains mushed. We don't have any like uh, any any Lucasms, any any witticisms, or or anything to make people anything about population control to make people mad. So, (laughs) but uh, we'll just call it a night, guys. And thanks for listening to Conspiranormal.
baby leaves you Got a tale to tell Just take a walk down lonely street to a heartbreak hotel I get the so lonely, babe. I get the so lonely. I get the so lonely, babe. I could die. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.